My name is Humble Gray, and I am a Mississippi farmer. There's been a lot of weeping and wailing among the liberal hunter that the Supreme Court is going to strike down the so-called Affordable Care Act, or as it's more infamously known, Obamacare. Oh, says a dainty daisy, I've got a pre-existing condition. Without my precious insurance, I'll have no physician access. Or, deary me, says Mr. Lefty Poindexter, 20 million folks will be bereft of health care. Well, you know what, folks? I've got a reply to that. And that reply is hogwash. I mean, yes, all those things really will happen, but honestly, you've no call to fret over it. What's that you say, queries you? I can lose my insurance and yet all will be well? Indeed, my beloved listeners, indeed. For we here in the Mid-South farmlands are well acquainted with a little thing called self-sufficiency. That's right, self-sufficiency emphasis on the self. Why, ladies and gentlemen, there's plenty of powders and poultices one can fix right at home to cure what ails you. No intrusive intervention needed by some high-priced specialist from a hoity-toity medical school. I am, in fact, reminded of a story from my youth some 60 years ago, wherein the local inebriate, i.e. the town drunk, availed himself of some very effective folk remedies. The fella in question was one George McGill Ketchum, who sold hardwoods to the furniture makers in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Little Rock, Arkansas, and even as far north as Pennsylvania. Or at least that's what he did before his taste for rye whiskey made employment untenable. Yet, even when he was three sheets to the wind, he never quite forgot his former vocation. Old George McGill would weave unsteadily along the sidewalk, thinking he was talking to his old customers. Mahogany has a 0.83 absorption factor, he'd say, so carve those chairs out of maple. Then he'd like as not regurgitate on himself. Anyway, to no one's surprise at all, his liver began to give out, or so my daddy noted one day, when he saw the man sprawled flat on Main Street, with his skin turned all yellow. Well, stern as my father could be, he had a Christian heart, and seeing this fellow in such a state, he resolved then and there to restore him to health. Wake up, George McGill, says my daddy, shaking the gent by the shoulder. The bleary eyes opened, and they too were yellow, cirrhotic jaundice having grabbed hold with a vengeance. The broad leaves of the temperate dicots are quite attractive, mumbles the drunk. Daddy lifted him off the sidewalk. We're going to get you well, George McGill, says he. Are you taking me to the hospital, asked the man, because I'll admit to feeling poorly, like a fraxinous excelsior with ash dieback. That's my intention, says Daddy. Just one question. Have you health insurance? Oh, says George McGill, I guess I don't. I've let a few things slide of late, what with spending all my lucre on fermented grain. In that case, says Daddy, I have an alternative, and a good one, too. You and me, we're off to Duck's crevasse. 
They got a hospital out there? asked George McGill. No, says Daddy, a friend. With that, my father loaded him into the bed of his Dodge pickup, a new blue and white D-100, as I recall. He'd have let him sit in the cab with him, but so odiferous with alcohol was his passenger that Daddy feared he himself would be rendered too dizzy to drive the truck straight. And besides, like I said, the vehicle was new. Their destination took them along winding back roads, if you could call them that, for so rutted and overgrown were they, these paths saw little travel except by the hardiest of hunters and fishermen. A half hour later, they were on the far side of Duck's crevasse, pulling up to a desolate log cabin shrouded in black tupelo. Daddy exited the cab and made to help George McGill out the back, but at first the fellow demurred. I don't know what you're up to bringing me all alone out here, says he, slurring his words. But as the beatniks say, I don't swing in that direction, Daddy-o. We ain't alone, says my papa, far from it. For do you know where we are? We are, sir, parked before the domicile of the one and only Miss Augustina Dell'Arte. What, cries George McGill, you brought us out here to that old witch? Why, she'll cast a spell and turn us into cricket frogs or fence lizards or something. For even in his alcoholic haze, the man could recall the sinister stories surrounding the old lady of the lake. But Daddy was having none of it and chided him for nonsense. She's a kindly woman, says he, who dispenses genuine country remedies at a reasonable price. She'll fix you up, George McGill, and she'll fix you up proper. So, after coaxing his passenger off the truck and helping him up the path, Daddy wrapped his knuckles on the cabin door. At first there was no answer, so he knocked again, which this time provoked reaction from within. I'm coming, I'm coming, sounded a voice, and then the portal opened a crack with a gray and watery eye looking out from behind it. Eh, hey, says the occupant, what do you want? It's me, Miss Augustina, says Daddy, Pemberton Lee Gray. Oh, yes, says the occupant, the good Baptist what buys my homemade. Here for another jug, you old reprobate? Now, Miss Augustina, says Daddy, there's no need to talk so. Besides, I'm here today on God's business. The door swung wide, revealing a wizened old woman shrunken with age and burdened with a dowager's hump, her silver hair tied back in a bun. You best not be here to preach, says she, because my 12-gauge is full of rock salt. No, ma'am, says Daddy. I'm more in the nature of the Good Samaritan, seeking aid for an unfortunate friend. Well, what do you want from me, says Miss Augustina. Nothing less, replies Daddy, than your doctoring skills. And with his arm around George McGill, he tried to hold the man up a little straighter. This poor soul, he's been too long at the bottle, see, and now he's yellow with sickness. Is that so, says Miss Augustina. Well, drag him in and mind the cat. Daddy did so, helping old George over the threshold while the pure black house cat, Lucretia, scrambled beneath a table. Miss Augustina had Daddy set the man in an old spindle-back chair, and then with her thumbs she pulled back the patient's eyelids. Hmm, says the old woman, observing the lemon-colored sclera. Not an easy task, not by a stretch. 
It'll take some mighty strong powders and poultices to fix this one up. Leave him here for a few days whilst I work on him. Uh, says George McGill, maybe I should go to the hospital. Have you the money to pay? asked Daddy. No, says the fella, sadly. Then you'll be fine right here, says Daddy. Miss Augustina will take right good care of you. And as he was exiting the cabin back to his truck, he heard the old woman say, We'll start with the leeches. A few days later, Daddy returned to Duck's crevasse to check up on the patient's progress. Come in, come in, Pemberton Lee, says Miss Augustina. We're making headway. And he entered to find George McGill lying on a straw mattress, still yellow, but also scratching at his arms. We drew out the bad blood with leeches, says the old woman, and now we're attacking the biles with a garlic and manure poultice. And indeed, there was a foul-smelling paste covering the man's bare chest. I, I itch all over, says the patient woefully, while scratching had opened wounds on his forearms. Oh, says Miss Augustina, that itching's just the bad humors wafting from the skin, a sign of health. Please take me to the hospital, says George McGill. Can ye pay, says Daddy? No, says the man. Then this, replies Daddy, is the place for you. Then he turns to Miss Augustina and says, By the way, as per our traditional arrangement, you wouldn't happen to have some, uh... Then there's a, there's a batch cooking outside back, says she. Just let me pour it in a jug for you. So Daddy left an hour later, a little looser for the arrangement, and confident that a poor unfortunate was receiving the best of care. After three more days, he was back again. This time, George McGill's nose was bleeding, and his legs were swollen like barrels. Look at me, he says, his voice weak. My nose runs red, and my lower extremities are thick as a Tasmanian mountain ash. A fine hardwood, by the way. Excellent signs both, says Miss Augustina. It shows the sickness is running for its life, choosing all pathways to leave your body. And look at those spidery patches neath his skin. The disorder can't wait to flee his system. The old lady then moved to a boiling pot in the fireplace and ladled the dark liquid into a pewter mug. We'll abet that escape with a little swamp root and calomel, says she. Help me get it down his gullet. He's been a bit tetchy about taking his medicine. No, no, cried George McGill as the woman approached with the mug, and then he shut his lips tight and turned his head away. But Miss Augustina, she'd have none of his recalcitrance, and held his nose while Daddy pinned the patient to, the, to his bed. Unable to breathe, the man finally opened his mouth, and was immediately, which was immediately followed by a dose of the steaming hot potion. Oh, Lord, well, George McGill, please take me to the hospital. Hast thou a dime to pay, asked Daddy. No, says the ailing gent, a choke in his voice. Then here thou art, says Daddy, and here thou shalt stay. After that, Daddy went out back with Miss Augustina, and when he came home that evening, was quite expansive at the dinner table. Dang doctors and their fancy pants degrees from those eastern universities, says he, slurring his words a bit. They're all bumped up and book with book learning. Know all about stethoscopes and sterile instruments, but nothing about the benefits of a good purging. Charge way too much besides. Way too much. Yes, dear, says Mama. Yes, Daddy, says I. Then he points at me and he says, 
You ever get to Allen, boy, I'll take you right to Miss Augustina. She'll root out your plumbing and do you wonders. Do you wonders. I feel all right good, Daddy, says I, perhaps a bit too quickly. The Saturday after that, Daddy returned to the cabin so that he might be apprised of George McGill's current condition. Not precisely what I'd hoped at this point, says the old lady, nodding toward the patient on his mattress. As you can see, he's lying in his own filth, which was a side effect of the calomel. But make no mistake, Pemberton Lee, it's a welcome sign, for that potion drastically improved his biliousness. But since then, he's developed that swollen belly, as you can see, which suggests that the humors are backing up. And though I've dosed him with lead, arsenic, and mercury, he's not improved in the past few days. So I figure it's time to saw off one of his legs. Daddy was taken aback and said, Now, Miss Augustina, I don't mean to tell you your business, far from it, but ain't that a little extreme? Well, says she, it is a bit so. But those bad elements have got to come out somewhere, so I have no choice but to open the pathway. Makes sense, I suppose, says Daddy, but won't he find it painful? I dasn't think so, says the old lady. He's been delirious the last few days, product, I'm sure, of my not having amputated sooner. You mind helping me with the procedure? Oh, says Daddy. Actually, I was thinking of heading back home. I've got a few things to do that don't involve, uh, you know, cutting off a fella's leg. Is that so, says Miss Augustina? Well, maybe we can prop up that courage a bit. And so it was, 45 minutes and half a jug later, Daddy was raring to go. Let's chop that thing off, says he. Supper's getting cold. Poplar is of medium density, mumbles George McGill, and a fine choice for your kitchen cabinets. Been doing that for days, says the old woman. If he doesn't shut up about wood, I'm sawing his head off, too. Despite his stupor, the patient was aware enough to again ask, Can I go to the hospital? You got any insurance, says Daddy? No, sir, says the man. Then hush up, Daddy replies, while Miss Augustina makes good use of this hacksaw. Takes a cross-cut blade, murmurs George McGill, to cut against the wood grade, and yow! I won't go into details of the operation, but suffice it to say, on a scale between haircut and hanging, it fell somewhere in the upper range. It's too bad, says Daddy to Miss Augustina, that you couldn't have amputated below the knee to facilitate rehabilitation. Oh, doggone it, says she. I guess I could have. I just kind of forgot is all. Oh, well. I suppose I forgot to sterilize that hacksaw, too. So many things to remember in medicine. Can I, muttered George McGill, his voice barely audible. Can I? No, says Daddy, you can't go to the hospital without money. No, whispers the patient. I just wondered, can I have the rest of that jug? No money for a doctor, but plenty for whiskey, says Daddy. Ain't that just like you poor folk? You, sir, have offended a taxpayer. Then Daddy up and drove off, finishing the jug on the way home. Still, he was a forgiving man, so his feathers weren't going to stay ruffled. No, he, he drove to the cabin again just a week later to once more look after the well-being of this fella so gripped by demon alcohol. Well, how serendipitous that you appeared, said Miss Augustina as she opened the door. She held up a little bundle in her hand comprised of 
half a white turnip and half a purple turnip. Then she says, she says, could you pee on this? Sorry, says Daddy. These turnip halves, says she. They're supposed to be good for the liver, but first you gotta piss on them. I don't know, says Daddy. That doesn't sound very enticing. Well, you don't eat them, says Miss Augustina. You hang them on the bedpost. Eat them. That's just plain ludicrous. Then she looked wearily toward the bed. I don't know what else to do, says she. I've tried everything. Leeches, manure, swamp root, amputation. It's like he doesn't want to get well. I guess I'm not surprised, says Daddy, laying around here in the lap of luxury. If you ask me, a good day's labor is the best medicine. They walked over to the mattress where George McGill raised a yellow hand toward them. The fungal armillaria is killing my roots, croaks he, and black knot covers my branches. I have but one request. Can I go to... And then his voice trailed off. No, says Daddy. If you don't have money, you can't go to the hospital. I wasn't going to say hospital, whispers the patient. I was going to say cemetery. And with that, he closed his eyes and was very still. Miss Augustina put her ear to his chest, but no heartbeat was forthcoming. Well, Lordy, says she, I'm afraid I'll have to change my diagnosis from sick to dead. And he passed, said Daddy, before I could tell him, no, you don't have money for the cemetery. It would have been a bitter pill, but I'm sure you would have appreciated the truth. No matter, says Miss Augustina. We can just bury him out back with the other patients. Daddy asked how many there were, and she answered, just a dozen, or maybe it's fifteen. Hard to keep track now in my dotage. Hmm, says Daddy. I always wondered why you had such nice grass back there. Anyway, that's the story, ladies and gentlemen, and I think the message is clear. If the price of health insurance is beyond you, don't pine for what you can't afford. Try the old-time country cures like our friend George McGill. I mean, all right, it didn't work out quite as well as it might have, but heck, the burial was thrown in for free, so the patient got killed off at tremendous savings. Try that with Obamacare, and you'll be digging your own grave. Yes, sir. Play me out, Zeke.